your podcasters were so preoccupied whether they could or not make a movie podcast that they never stopped to think of they should. Jurassic Park coming up next. Haven't seen it with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenay. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time, and that is neither Tommy or I. Uh, We have seen Jurassic Park uh, a number of times. Countless times, yeah. Countless times is indeed the correct phrase. Uh, We would have thought our friend here joining the podcast, the man behind the infamous Haven't Seen It theme song, Mr. Ryan Davey would have at least seen Jurassic Park once in his life, but no, never. Only read the yeah. book. <laughs> yeah, everyone was surprised, man. I read the book in high school English <laughs> class. I saw Jurassic World, loved it, but never properly got around to watching the OG. Uh, honestly, I was probably too scared or too busy watching Star Wars when I was that age um, to watch it. But uh, Were you never a big dinosaur kid? <laughs> No, I was definitely more of a sci-fi. Or this is a sci-fi movie, though. I don't know. I was yeah. I was a huge Star Wars fan. Wasn't a huge Dino guy, though. I don't know. Um, were you guys? Uh, somewhat. I mean, uh, I think it like was a rub off of my brother being a huge dinosaur guy. I remember he had a poster of Jurassic World, uh, Jurassic Park Two. We shared a room when I was a little kid, so when I was three years old. There was just like a huge poster of a T Rex coming out of a fucking like. Of, of like the forest or something like that like to attack somewhere of the jungle and that poster scared the fuck out of me when I was three years old yeah I <laughs> but I still saw Jurassic Park <laughs> <laughs> nice I feel like you got started on the horror and just like thrown into the deep end with stuff that scared you from the beginning and that's why you're uh, such a horror buff now <laughs> oh yeah yeah I mean it's the perk of being the youngest that you get exposed to shit that you probably should be watching when you're like three years old or four years yeah. old <laughs> My brother's the same way. Oh my god! Like literally, was obsessed with like Jason and Freddy and all that shit before, before I could even watch it. Man, like I still have a tough time with that stuff. <laughs> I, I feel like this needs to be explored more. Like, is younger brother the the pinnacle of being like a giant horror nerd? Like, come down to just you being the younger brother and your parents just having a little bit more laxed rules on what comes into the house. I mean, I had very lax media rules in general. I started watching South Park when I was three years old. So, I mean, that explains a lot, too, there. So, explains (laughs) your potty mouth, Tommy. Yeah, exactly. Fuck you. Dude, I'm. I'm trying to be a Jamie from Joe Rogan right now, trying to see if there is a correlation to that on Google. I can't find anything yet, but like in my head, dude, yeah, that, that's, that's the head cannon. That's the head cannon right there. There's can, gotta Jamie, be. go ahead. Go ahead. Google that. Yeah. Can you Google that, Davey? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I just Googled uh, younger siblings liking horror. I don't know. It's <laughs> it's mostly just posts like, my child likes horror movies. What should I do with him? Like, I don't know. Tommy turned out. Fun. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was oh, <laughs> Teresa Tevenet? No. <laughs> yeah, 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 Mrs. Tevenet. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us, Ryan. We appreciate you coming on and allowing us to discuss a, a movie that I we would have probably have long covered already. I appreciate you guys having me, man. Like, I, I listen to so many episodes of your podcast. I think probably all the movies that I've seen, except for, like, ones I've seen in the last, like, months, I've I've probably listened to the podcast. So I'm excited to be on, and hell yeah, appreciate it, guys. So 
as you would know, then as a longtime listener, first time caller, that that we like to kick off the podcast kind of discussing what movie show something you you've watched recently that you wanted to to maybe bring up absolutely man i've been going uh i've been on a little like 80s and 90s comedy nostalgia kick man like i watched some john hughes movies i think i want to talk about legally blonde though man like another first time watch for me um Mm -hmm. although i knew it was a classic I kind of uh, got the desire to watch it just because of how uh, prominent Jennifer Coolidge has been in memes lately. And I oh, realized yeah. <laughs> I didn't know who the hell she was, man. Like, um, Stifler's mom. That's <laughs> Stifler's mom. That's man. true. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. But I think I watched that, like, I watched American Pie when I was, like, I don't know, like, 13 or something. I didn't know what an actress <laughs> or actor was back then. I thought that was just her mom. You just saw you know? boobs. <laughs> that's that's exactly right, dude. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, but honestly, Legally Blonde, great. Like, I don't know, such a fun one, you know? Like, you don't have to you don't have to think too hard about it, but also at the same time, I do think it that was another cool moment for like females in comedy, you know? Like, yeah. Just like how something like uh like bridesmaids was in like the early 2010s and stuff like this was like a big one for the 90s i think you know like even uh i would i would say it's ahead of its time for that reason alone but probably other stuff as well yeah we covered that on the podcast i i don't think i've revisited it since but i yeah. remember loving it i remember the dad with the martini and he's in like literally <laughs> two scenes and i he was like my favorite character just because he just he was great yeah, like it, w- it would have been whatever if it was just the one scene of him with a martini, but he was like at the graduation, like plotting with, with a martini. the martini, like it's like... like it's attached to his hand almost. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was like a great, like early breezy watch and like her movie. I think it was like early 2000s or whatever, but it was just brought like great humor and stuff like that. That's pretty much aged well for the most part, I'd say. And some of those movies, like American Pie, you said, hasn't aged well in some parts, <laughs> but yeah, Legally Bond, I... <laughs> still, you can watch that tonight and you won't get like. TikTok cancelers at or something. <laughs> yeah. Has TikTok tried to cancel American Pie? I'm sure. If they, they have, must if, have. I don't know yeah. if they've discovered Well, there's, it a, yet. there's that whole scene of Shannon Elizabeth getting filmed or whever. So, or, yeah. Oh, I'm not <laughs> saying they shouldn't cancel it. They probably should. But, uh, yeah, I just, I was unaware if they'd actually. That was a like... Vice article I read. It was like Gen Zers uh, react to 90s movies or something. Oh, shoot. Okay. <laughs> most of them was like shitting on American Pie. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Well, yeah, I. This is why for we good don't, reason. This is why we don't <laughs> yeah. click Vice articles, Tommy. Okay, we've had this conversation before. We yeah, don't exactly. click random Vice articles that start with the headline Gen Z. Um, so, Tommy, <laughs> what what movies have you watched uh, this past week? Uh, so I'll, I'll talk about one I saw um, a couple weeks ago, but we didn't get the chance to talk about it. Um, I went to the theaters two weeks ago to go see a screen of Coraline. Um, the Henry Selleck uh, stop motion animated movie. The first time I ever saw on the big screen and God, I forgot how creepy that movie is. As someone that likes horror movies a lot, watching this movie, I was like, I'm actually kind of fucking terrified right now. Um, the friend that we saw it with, uh, Dallin, he hates horror movies. And I remember he told me, he took to me at one point during the movie and be like, I hate you for bringing me to this. This is too scary. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it was such a great little watch, a great little creepy, like Henry Selleck, Tim Burton energy right there. And really fun to see if a big crowd. Um, I think and people came out in droves flat. So it was really good to see on the big screen again. Well, I've noticed now that it's been the big trend now. Like, 
I, I know for you and I, the inspiration of doing this was that they were re-releasing Jurassic Park in, in theaters uh, and knowing somebody that hasn't hadn't seen it before. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it seems like Hollywood's kind of realized, like, maybe we don't need to invest $500 million to remake this. We can just put it in theaters and make like $2 million. Yeah, I, I definitely think, I mean, like Jurassic Park over the weekend, I think made about that, like one million or two million or something like that. But there's so many movies now that are just like untouchable. I mean, you can still play Jaws. I mean, we've seen Jaws countless times in theaters Demi night. Um, and that still hits, that still plays perfectly. You know, you don't need a remake of the shit like that. I feel like, I mean, remakes these days, I feel like it mostly should be just cheap movies that you give a shit about in like the 80s. I like forgot, like forgotten B movies. Be like, hey, let's just do that concept again. But, Jurassic Park. I mean, like, as long as Spielberg's alive, he's never gotten this movie remade. <laughs> well, they did. They did remake it. It's called yeah. Jurassic World. What are you talking? That's about? That's a sequel. That's a sequel. That's different. I that's, guess uh, that's a that's a soft reboot is what that's called, Tommy. That is where you do it kind of differently, and it's something I want to talk about when we dive deeper into Jurassic Park. But um, like the sequels in general, because I think they're all different degrees of bad and um yeah we'll i'll leave that at that uh i saw i rewatched wayne's world I, it nice was, it was on i saw it and nice. i <laughs> put it on like that movie is like underrated I, I feel like everybody saw it in like middle school high school liked it then put it in their like set it and forget it folder like yeah i saw wayne's world movie's really funny like mike myers had a really good run there of just like very unique poignant humor um and i i appreciate that about him i've heard he's also not the kindest man in the world when you're working with him on set but yeah wayne's world like i definitely recommend re-watching it because it still holds up it's still very funny um, i've actually and- i've i've pitched a rewatch of that with like twice within the last month and stuff to jazz i got overruled but i think i would see it <laughs> from like a different perspective now that like yeah i don't know like we're we're both like we're all all like 30 and stuff and like yeah. super into like music and movies and like they're kind of in that space too and like Wayne's World one towards the end and definitely a lot in Wayne's World too they're kind of just like oh my god like should I really be like so obsessed with all this all this stuff like in my life and yeah. I think that angle would like hit me in a different way and I'd probably like find a new angle to laugh at it too you know Every time I watch this movie, I mean, it, it, you always laugh, especially like the whole uh, pizza scene or like the corporate sponsorship. I mean, I just watch a, a clip, pull up that clip on YouTube all the time. <laughs> uh, that scene's great, though. The one that got me was uh, Ed O'Neill is like in it briefly. Um, he's like works at the uh, at the deli, the the hockey deli, and he just has. A, he's the only other one that speaks to, directly to the camera, and he's just like, yeah, you know. Why is there nothing wrong when you kill a man in war? It's considered heroism. But when you kill a man from the fists of passion, it's called murder. And then they just go and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not allowed to talk to the camera. I was like, that is hilarious. (laughs) It's just so random and amazing. Just very random that Ed O'Neill is like this low-key like psychopath uh, in in that movie. But yeah, I think it's time to talk about the movie that came out right before I was born. This is Jurassic Park. On June 11th, dinosaurs and man, two species suddenly thrown back into the mix together. Can I touch it? Sure. How can we possibly have the slightest idea 
what to expect. Universal Pictures presents a Steven Spielberg film, an adventure 65 million years in the making. Jurassic Park, rated PG-13. Special premiere tomorrow night. Starts Friday everywhere. So I'm going to call this for me the 10th viewing. I, I don't know. How, however many viewings of Jurassic Park there have been in my life, but it's 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 a high number. Um, yeah. I, I know for Tommy and I, we both saw it in 3D in theaters, but I think most intriguing is is for you, Ryan. You've never seen it before, and, and we were talking before we rolled, but you didn't really touch on your feelings at Jurassic Park, so I'd love to get your overall thoughts from your first viewing just kind of like your general takeaways yeah absolutely and uh honestly like i i did love it i i went in i would say with slightly lower expectations than you may have uh or i don't know than than i should have and um a lot of the parts that i liked about the newer jurassic park like jurassic world was like the actual cgi it looked so futuristic all that stuff and i went in thinking that it was just going to kind of take me out of the world to see like a less advanced rendering of these uh creatures and stuff but i think they did it super well and even the times when the effects like didn't really like live up i guess it kind of reminded me of like goosebumps style shit which is my favorite it just takes me back to that like 90s world of it but as a movie like that concept is still so so wild to me and I do think we're going to do it soon. We're going to bring back some damn dinosaurs. And yeah, it's apparently scientifically possible to follow this movie. <laughs> dude, I read a popular mechanics article that they uh, there has been around 60 million invested uh, in order to bring back woolly mammoths to somehow combat climate change or something. But they're they're de-extincting a woolly mammoth by 2027 is what this company says they can do. Do, do they like come with like a a blizzard with them like like wherever they go like they're gonna be reintroduced they... into Siberia reintroduced like I mean, it, it, Siberia, it probably would like just fucking help like world hunger because like those things are so kind of massive I, I, will, it, it, I don't know it yeah. said something about like its migration patterns somehow affected it I didn't really get super into the details with I, it but I yeah, that's wild well, um, maybe these people should have watched Jurassic Park because one of the messages of this movie is like you're taking a creature from a prehistoric time and introducing it into a climate and atmosphere 65 million years later. Yep. Like, it's not going to know what it is. It's going to be a very defensive creature. Um, they didn't stop to think if they should. You just thought if you could. Um, yeah, exactly right there uh i, I want to touch upon like what you said earlier i mean like the uh the special effects for this movie still play really well i feel like um, yeah there's definitely a version of this movie that like it could have easily just been like hokey or whatever um spielberg's initial thought of this movie was going to be doing claymation um and like there's a uh video you can watch on youtube which is like a, they did a test of um the raptors scene where the raptors are in the kitchen like get to chase out the kids and stuff cgi they did it with like claymation and it looked a little bit cool but it definitely just looked a little dated right there and like if you saw that now if you watch that now in like your 2023 lens like first time watching like oh this is some like stupid old movie was the way they did instead of cgi animatronics mix just works perfectly and like 
I really can't see the scenes in this movie in terms of special effects personally. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, like that was the one scene, and I even wrote this down, like that's the one scene, the Raptors in the kitchen, that like the CGI kind of I don't know, wasn't really holding up for me. You know, every other scene fucking rocked it but that one was i don't know it was a little they relied on it a little too much i think maybe well that's because they did such it's the perfect line of blurring your effects and then you won't know and i think the t the famous t-rex sequence once it's finally revealed is like the perfect encapsulation of blurring your effects because it's they're mostly looking at the puppet yeah when it's in a full body shot it's going to be the it's going to be the CG, and when it's a close-up of its head, which is mostly that scene, is a lot of close-ups of, of that puppet's head. That's practical. That's real. So then, in those quick little moments, your eyes not really able to pick up what isn't, what is there, and what isn't there, and it just blurs that line together. And I just think, I mean, just to go on to that scene now that I mentioned it, the way that the uh, T Rex is introduced with the wires snapping, and then like the cold camera pan up from behind the car up as it's you just see its head as it eats the the goat and then like takes its steps up and it's like the body just slowly and slowly reveals like it's just it, it, it's masterful it is and to your point on the claymation like i don't think this movie has the cultural impact it still has today nor do i think it maybe necessarily is the big box office hit it was at the time without the 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 cg without if they did it with claymation like i think people would be like this is kind of dated this is looks old it works but it's it's kind of old yeah yeah it's like i was a little hokey or whatever but um i mean this is my first time really seeing this on the big screen um in terms of like a, a legit movie theater timmy and i have seen it on um during a drive-in movie theater uh, don't feature jaws but um seeing this in like surround sound like uh, movie theater sound like the t-rex scene is special just the sound design right there i'm just like hearing the fucking like water shake and just um hearing like the fucking footsteps just like over and over and over again and then that fucking like roar growl is just so fucking powerful and like you know i've seen this movie like fucking countless times probably 23 times anymore um still fucking hit me in that new dimension of just hearing that fucking roar <laughs> dude yeah i think i think probably my favorite part of the whole movie was how much tension they built with the whole like the water shaking, like anytime the T-Rex would would approach, you'd see something shaking. Like at first yeah. it was the cup of water, then it was the puddle, then the the girl holding the jello, the jello just starts shaking, and then everyone just like and you know shit's about to go down. Like it, yeah. I don't know, it was like the most brilliant way to like build tension there to me. Yeah, it was just a great way of just building suspense and the suspense of suspense where like, you know, this movie for the most part, you know, while this is obviously the big dinosaur movie, the dinosaurs really only take up maybe like 11% of the whole movie in terms of like what you see, but they make the moments pay off as much as possible. Oh yeah, it's a big payoff, and I think that first introduction of the dinosaurs when they're driving is so well done, like I, you've seen that clip a hundred thousand times of, yeah. <laughs> of Grant, Sam Neill, taking the glasses off with like the most stunned face and grabbing Laura Dern's head and twisting it. And then the release of the Brontosaurus, like with that, with that classic score underneath it with those strings, it's like, it's really, it really is powerful how they, how they pace and space them out. Cause it makes that impact better. And I feel like that's a detriment of the sequels. If we want to tie those into there together is that like, 
they're kind of everywhere and they lose their impact when you just see them for 50% of the movie. Yeah, exactly. They just go like a little bit too heavy on the special effects. I mean, I've seen the original trilogy and I've seen World, but I haven't seen the, the, in the sequels for apparently the most recent one that came out what last year apparently is a garbage from Lightbird. <laughs> is it that recent? Damn. Yeah. I've, well, I've not seen any of the sequels either for either trilogy, to be fair. You just said you saw World. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, well, I, I'm considering that the, the reboot. I saw World and I saw Park, but none of the yeah next yeah, two yeah. in those trilogies you know i i mean i mean like you know the best thing you can say about some of them is that like i remember world had a scene of like a woman just like getting like killed like to death where like she got like eaten by one animal that ate another animal that ate another animal or something like that. killed to um, death sounds like a damn band that you should sounds start like right a now. it sounds like a metal band killed yeah, to yeah death. some random metal band <laughs> <laughs> metal <laughs> covers of the jurassic park theme song stuff like that that would hit oh, the, I, I, that would hit. I mean but you hear that John Williams score, like when that scene you were just talking about, Timmy, like earlier, with like "Welcome to Jurassic Park," goosebumps immediately. Like yeah. anytime you hear that score, I mean, like you can. Uh, I feel like Ryan. I remember like us probably listened to like a slowed down version of it before, of like four hours long or something like that, where it's just like stretched out. We listen to it. We listen to four hours long I'm, Jurassic Park theme song. Well, I don't think I don't think we listened to the whole thing, but I think we did something like that. Maybe, maybe that sounds familiar. Actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> No, but the score is so good. Like, I don't know. That, like, it's it's iconic, dude. Like, yeah. John Williams hits another home run, as always. Exactly. It's just, like, amazing. He can do no fucking wrong. Um, I want to talk about ways this movie could have gone wrong. Um, so, we talked about Claymation earlier, but, like, this movie essentially is based off the novel, which uh, Ryan read 10 years ago and just decided to never watch the movie. But, um, <laughs> you know... Before this movie was, uh, before the novel was even like finished whatsoever, like Hollywood studios, right? Okay, Michael Crane's coming up a new novel. We need to get a bidding war for this right now. We need rights to spot dinosaurs. This is going to be a guaranteed hit. So, Michael Crane's agents uh, pretty much circulated the book to six different studios and they decided to pitch this movie. And the pitches were Warner Brothers won Tim Burton to direct, Columbia wanted Richard Donner to direct, the director of Superman. Um, 20th Century Fox uh, was interested and they want Joe Dante and then Universal Pictures of Steven Spielberg and apparently James Cameron was in the mix too and thank god Steven Spielberg got it a lot of these other takes would have been interesting I mean like the Tim Burton version probably would have been Jeff Goldblum would have been more of a goth and I don't know would have uh, been weird right I don't know about the Tim, I don't know about the Tim Burton version of it uh, yeah yeah that would have been like eh, Richard Donner I don't know maybe a little bit too hokey Joe Dante could have been a fun manic version of this. The James Cameron version, apparently, he wanted to pitch was going to be R rated and going to have Arnold Schwarzenegger as Grant. And um, ah, that could have been cool. To be fair, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would have just been Arnold running around with a gun shooting dinosaurs. That's what that's yeah. what that movie would have been. Dude, I could yeah, see Arnold I, as Muldoon or something too. Like that would be lit. <laughs> I, I would totally, I totally watch that movie. Like Bill Pax as Malcolm, Charlton Heston as Hammond. That would have worked, but. I think we got the right director. I mean, like James Cameron himself even said, like, you know, if I got the movie, it wouldn't have made sense. Di- kids love dinosaurs. Would have been friends with the kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Joe That's Dante like... one's the interesting one to me there, because I think of him with Gremlins, Small Soldiers. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have been the commercial hit that it was, and it might have spared us a lot of really bad sequels, but it mm-hmm. would have uh it would have been interesting for sure. And I feel like he would have had his own. He's he's a very cynical director. I've noticed in the tone of his movies, 
And I feel like that would have that would have been very interesting to come out. It would have had a much more cynical tone to it, which I could definitely see from like these scientists visiting this island. And to transition that into John Hammond, um, where this is the time that I really like appreciated his perform like his his performance in this movie. Um uh, and yeah, Richard Richard Attenborough as Doc, as John Hammond. Um, this is he, like his first acting role in fourteen years. I mean, he's you know, normally a director. I mean, he did Chaplin and like with um, Gandhi and stuff like that. And like he decided, like, all right, I'll come out for Spielberg <laughs> exclusively for for Spielberg. I'll come back yeah. for this. Um, he's the main antagonist of this movie. I, I feel like uh, it's either him or. Nedry, which is played by everybody's favorite neighbor, Newman. Wayne Newman. Oh, he's he's amazing. I mean, like every, every time that movie, but Richard Arbo in general, I mean, like, he brings a little bit of a heart. I mean, he is an antagonist, but apparently in the novel, he was more of a jerk, like a fucking like jackass. I don't know if you remember Ryan. Yeah, no, I, I remember him being definitely more of an asshole and stuff. And like, even like in the writing, they like, oh, he he's like, he he's like, oh, people who watch sports are like the lowest dregs of society. And I was just like, damn, like they want us to hate him so bad. Like, but uh honestly, like some pretentious in... sports ball. <laughs> oh yeah. I remember though, like, yeah, he was definitely an asshole in the books. And in the movie, I truly believe that this is a guy who just has has this dream and he wants to make it happen. But like by the end of it, like when they're like we decide to oppose you building this park and he's like yeah obviously so have i you know like he realizes <laughs> yeah. by the end this is not a good idea and i truly believe that it's it's not him and he he never is the one trying to make money like the lawyer guy is like oh we need to open we need to oh, make the so. money you know oh, so but yeah. uh what do you think you oh, you, was, you disagree was, tim he was in it for the money it was a dream but he was in it for the money no, but when the lawyer brings up, he's like, he's like, yes, like people will pay whatever. And then Hammond is like, well, this isn't just for rich people. We want everyone to be able to experience this like amazing park and stuff. I I'm don't gonna, know. Like, I'm going to frame this for you differently. Richard Attenborough is Hammond. Yeah. He's a politician in October with an election in November. And now he has these three scientists here. And the lawyer, Guy Gennaro, is saying, like, we, we can charge whatever we want for this, blah, blah, blah. Well, he has to appease to these three scientists that are here that aren't really capitalists, so they don't want to talk about it. But you get the shot when his kids are lost in the park with, with Grant, and they're in. They cut to him eating the ice cream in the visitor center. Doesn't just cut to him; it cuts to the gift shop with all the little trinkets of the Jurassic Park logo slapped on it on a lunchbox, on a T-shirt, with stuffed action figures and everything else. Man was a capitalist at heart. Okay. You don't, you, don't, you may, maybe disagree with that. Like, I got it from that. And especially on this take, this this viewing, I, I really noticed it. Um, you know, when they first go on the tour and the gates open, it's a, it, that's a boring part of the movie. And it's very intentionally boring because Hammond is, that's when he gets at his angriest it's not when his grandkids get attacked by a tyrannosaurus rex he gets his angriest when they're going on the tour and they there are no dinosaurs out for them to see that's when he's at his most upset because he wants to put on the show it's a show he's he's a he's an illusionist he's a wizard 
and they have that great scene with him and Ellie where he talks about the illusion that that he had yeah. that you know the old show that he did um that that's what it is and and he's somebody that doesn't really does not understand the power of what he has created here um and making it into a theme park is like the epitome of that like if you wanted to just make a nature preserve and it you just it was if if he was not a capitalist at heart looking to make money it would have just been a nature preserve and this would have been his passion project and he would have yeah. just funded it for the scientific research I mean, I, of it i don't think all, it was all altruistic for him but like i yeah. think that definitely a portion of him i mean like there's a, almost like a childlike wonder he has about this well that and that's attenborough's performance i think is where that comes in like where you said in the book he comes off a lot more asshole-ish i think you could have casted a lot more actors and and hammond comes off really snide really well they they intentionally uh like uh defanged him a little bit um so um like in terms of like the screenplay oh yeah absolutely Um, he's even like like when every all the power goes off and stuff he's like no like i should go like you should stay here and stuff and like she's like no i'm going just like you think i can't because i'm a woman or whatever like i don't know i think i think he's got some heart regardless of I'm not saying he does. I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm just, I completely disagree with you saying that he wasn't in it for the money. He was absolutely in in it for the money. He was a politician in October lying to a crowd of people. All right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, okay. I'm not saying you're wrong on that. I think it was, I I I, felt that I liked him by the end. I I liked him in the end. I I love him. I think he's a great character. Um, Yeah. I I think he really brings an interesting dynamic. And I think, Compared to the other Jurassic Park movies, which I've seen five of the six of them, and most of them I've only seen once, um, yeah. like the story yeah. is lacking in them, and the 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 themes behind them. Because I would say this movie has a, a lot of themes about the power of nature and the power of creation that the other movies just com- are like we're going to make a dumb dinosaur movie, and it, that's not really the ca- case with the original Jurassic Park um and hammond is kind of the key in that because he is the godlike figure in terms of creating creating that atmosphere um like i mean he's even breeding velociraptors which are the most dangerous to have like when when they hatch the little velociraptor and you just see grant's face turn when he's like oh we have we have raptors like you raptors on here and you want me and you want people to to see them to to view them yeah like <laughs> he, he was he was somebody that was a man of his own convictions but he's ultimately the person who shot himself in the foot in terms of even getting the park opening because yeah one of the themes of it is what life finds a way and um they talked about how the the creatures you know they made them all female so they wouldn't be able to reproduce and then they find the dinosaur eggs I think there's a couple of ways you could interpret that. I interpret it as you don't see that until the Barbasol can with the with the dinosaur enzymes gets lost in the woods, which is by which was by Nedry, who was trying to sell them off because he had financial issues that Hammond would not help him with. A, a man with more money than God. Would hey, not I help mean, him I mean- in in your defense, there is some subtext of this. I think this comes up more in the novel of like Dennis Nedry just being like getting apparently fucked over by um hammond over and over and over again or like uh hammond caused him like lose clients and stuff like that apparently 
And um, it's just, you know, how he says that, like, you know, we spared no expense right here. But then, like, turns out maybe he's treating employees like shit, not paying them what they're worth or something, you know. <laughs> Dude, moral of the story, pay your IT guy. And it reminded me of, like, the yeah. Matrix and shit, you know, like, we got we got a rat in the ship, you know, like, same same type of story. Like, make sure your people are taken care of or they're going to they're going to fuck you over, too, you know. I yeah. thought that he'd be like a bigger part in the movie, though. Honestly, like he was probably, I don't Newman know, or, it, uh, Newman, Newman, dude. Yeah, yeah Wayne Knight. Knight, dude. Wayne he, Knight. He, he wasn't he in has, it for that long. I mean, he has like the most, some of the most memorable lines of this. I'm just like, ah, 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 yeah, can. that's true. <laughs> that was and, great. And the whole meme, the meme that you see all the time now, just like you see, nobody fucking cares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But it, Dogson, Dogson, see, nobody cares. You're not going to get cheap on me now, Dogson, are you? And, and, and his death seems amazing where he's like, oh, you know, no wonder you're extinct. And it really gets fucking like the goo in his eyes. The, the poison right in his face. Yeah. And, and he's, he's a total steal, scene stealer, but he's he's ultimately the person responsible for the, everything going completely wrong. Because if he was there to decode oh, the yeah. line, nothing, nothing goes wrong. But he had yeah. clear motivation to be away from his desk. It wasn't some cheap, like... I'm gonna go get a soda, and then he got locked out of the door, and he's just like, like sitting on oh, the other the side. Oh, the fat guy got uh, lost getting soda. What a shocker! <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, he uh, won that role because uh, Steven Spielberg loved him in uh, Basic Instinct. We covered that movie last year. Wayne Knight, what a '90s run right there! Basic Instinct, probably best scene in that movie too. <laughs> well, that I've has never the, seen it. That has the infamous leg crossing scene, which if you've never seen it, but you probably heard of Sharon Stone crossing her legs or at least seen oh, some shit. variation of that. Yeah, Wayne knew that like she crosses her legs. And if I'm remembering it correctly, it literally cuts to Wayne Newman's face, like sweating <laughs> like a dog. But, yeah, Wayne, Wayne Knight. <laughs> so it, it cuts to like Sharon Stone's vagina to Wayne Knight's face sweating as fuck it's like oh shit you had to pause it so fucking clearly if you're a fucking teenage boy in the 90s <laughs> all right tommy we know what you did last week just you know please, <laughs> please, please leave it alone if by teenage boy you mean tommy and the 90s you mean last week then yes <laughs> it was in the 90s last week in the temperature so i mean oh yeah so it was nice and warm. Um, Tommy's getting sweaty like Newman in his seat there. Oh my, yeah, <laughs> we don't start dripping. We don't do the visuals here, but he is sweating right now. He's giving me that glare of like Tim. This might end the podcast right here. We might never do another episode again. Uh, but I, 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 I'm glad we harped on Hammond's character here because I I'm on a completely different boat from from both of you here. I I think yeah. he's positioned that way really well, and I think they took a lot of the bark that's clearly in the novel away from him to make him more likable and warm, so that way you don't feel that way about him. But I felt like all of his underlying motions signaled that he was the exact same character that he probably was in the book. He just comes off a lot warmer. He comes off a lot more like Papa Bear. Uh, that could be. I I'm willing to to contest you might be right on that. But I think, you know, something that Tommy said, childlike wonder is still something that I think he possesses about these dinosaurs. Whether he is willing to kind of fuck people over for the like for attaining this childlike wonder and sharing it with people over people around the world, like that's possible. I'm willing to admit that's possible, but I still found him likable because uh because of that still. I don't know by the end 
He's very likable. I'm not even disagreeing with that. I'm just saying the underlying motions there of him being like a true capitalist that's yeah maybe a little bit cutthroat is is like there. Like he gets. I mean, to the extent it's the charming facade of like every uh, billionaire, you know, like they have behind them, or of like you might be right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the more the more we're talking about it, I don't know, but um. I, I, I do think that there is some at least a little bit of innocence to him. I don't obviously money is by the driving factor, but it's not all the money for him. I don't I don't think so. <laughs> no, and I don't think the project gets its wheels off the ground if there wasn't that childlike wonder of the of the dinosaurs. I feel like that wasn't necessarily like covered in there because like the one moment we get any background into his character it's to do with his other business project that was a success, but kind of labeled him as like a hokey salesman. And I was like, that's what he is. He's a hokey salesman. He's a somebody at the turn of the century going by cart to cart, selling elixirs. Like that's what, that's I, what he is. I, I mean, like, you know, we're going to like get the ire of all the Elon fans, but this is, you know, you can see the parallels between Elon saying we're going to Mars. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was thinking the exact same thing when you're talking about that. And I do consider myself still a bit of an Elon fan. I think he's lost his way in the last couple of years, but overall, I'm still a fan of his. Yo, he's gonna beat up Zuckerberg in the in the Coliseum no, for not. damn he, sure. No, no they not. called it off. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm joking. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, yeah. <laughs> they called. He, he it totally off, whipped but... out on it. <laughs> I, listen, um, Zuckerberg is like like he's on some sort of spectrum, whatever you want to define it as. And somebody so is like Elon, that. though. A different side, but the different obsessions. Like Zuckerberg's been like practicing jujitsu for years. And oh, Elon really? Musk has like 50 pounds of fat on him. That's like yeah. the only way he could win is if he sits on him. That's, that's how I want That's a bold strategy, Cotton. Yo, that's Let's another one. I, I just watched that like a week ago or less. Oh, what a what a fan what a fantastic film. What a what oh a yeah. Absolutely fantastic film. <laughs> I am a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. So this is the Richard Attenborough memorial list of everybody else in the movie that we can discuss, considering we just discussed Hammond for a good 15 minutes. Um, I feel like it almost goes without saying Jeff Goldblum, but I'm curious what your guys' thoughts of of Ian Malcolm. I I, I mean, Ian Malcolm, uh, you know, him with his shirt open. Jeff Goldblum, yeah, I'm right there. Um, But anyways, uh, fucking... Sam Neill, great in this movie. I mean, like, you know, he gives, I think, one of the best character arcs of this whole movie. I mean, he'd probably be the protagonist of anyone is. I mean, the fact that he gets over... He definitely is. Yeah, he gets over, like, the hatred of kids and stuff like that. And his performance is just really great. And just, like, the monologues he has, like, the opening scene of him intimidating that kid that thinks that dinosaurs aren't bullshit. Oh, it's such a good scene. It's such a good character introduction scene. Like, we learn Mm -hmm. something that's going to come into play later. And we're also learning something about the character. It's funny when you watch a movie when you see those things happen. Um, yeah. I was like literally about to bring up that that scene there. Yeah, he kind of has the the prototypical hero's arc, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. in this kind of story. Uh, and he was Lord, perfectly cast. There was um, chances that Harrison Ford was going to be in this. I could see Harrison. Robin. I was just going to say, dude. I feel like the only one who could have played it better was Harrison Ford. Man, I, I didn't I know mean, he was even in talks, but that would be sick. <laughs> it would. It would have been. It would have been good, but like you know, at the time, this would have become a Harrison Ford movie rather than like a movie about dinosaurs. Sam Neill, while like you know, 
he's not a household name the way that Harrison Ford is, or even like Tim Robbins or Tim Robbins. <laughs> I don't even. I wouldn't even maybe consider Tim Robbins like. Yeah. Oh, I, you're right. Harrison Ford definitely. Harrison Ford's <laughs> like your true A-lister, and that turns into a Harrison Ford movie when he's when he's in it. Same. Same thing we were talking about Schwarzenegger earlier. That would have just been a Schwarzenegger movie. It would have been a Schwarzenegger movie. It's the same thing with like how we were talking about with Sorcerer with um, oh, what's his name? The guy from Jaws. Oh, um, what, Richard Dreyfus or R- Richard Dreyfus? Yeah, where we were. No, not Richard Dreyfus. Who's the guy who plays? Uh, yeah, Richard Dreyfus, right? He was in Sorcerer. Yeah, where Friedkin said basically, like, he's a great actor. But he doesn't have the juice to carry a movie on his own in in the mass public. Like he's just not that kind of guy. Um, yeah. And Sam Neill's kind of in that same vein where you're you're always going to get a top tier performance from him, but he just doesn't have that that a list like juice to him. Of just, I think that. it worked better for the movie because oh, definitely, the, oh, it definitely mar- does. Yeah, because the marketing of this movie, I mean, like which was an insane by the time uh, period. Uh, standards of like marketing where they had so many fucking tie-ins and the marketing apparently cost more than the actual movie which is insane but um it was all about the dinosaurs well it's funny (laughs) like a a year later the biggest movie star in this movie is samuel l jackson like who's like the eighth build character in the movie (laughs) very brief (laughs) ryan who would you say was your favorite performance sans richard hammond I would, you know, I would say it's got to be Jeff. Honestly, like there was some some scene stealing moments by other uh, other actors for sure, and Sam Neill obviously was the probably only one with like a proper like character arc, you know. But uh, yeah, Jeff Goldblum, like even like in one of the first scenes, they're like they said something to the effect of like we wanted a scientist, you brought us a rock star, and he literally like lives up yeah. to that. Like every scene, it's just, I don't know. Like he's so magnetic and I want to hang out with that black. dude, man. Yeah. yeah, dude, he's sick. And he like yeah. sacrifices himself, like, near, but still manages to be in the rest of the movie. I don't know. Like it, it's yeah. gotta be Jeff for me, you know? I mean, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard in the novel that he would dies in the novel spoilers for the novel. I don't even remember to be honest. Um, but yeah. like, but I mean, if that was the case, I mean, like, thank God they didn't. Because, like, what a character. I mean, like, well, oh, yeah. granted, the sequels sucked. You can see why the sequels took on Jeff Goldblum as, like, the main character for this, uh, the direct sequel. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy, did you say your your star? I, I As much as I talk about Sam Neill here, I, I think Jeff Goldblum. I mean, he has the most memorable lines of anyone. You know, well, I'm going to say Sam Neill because I've always been a Sam Neill guy. I've never been the biggest Jeff Goldblum guy in this movie. Like, it works for the character. I just like Sam Neill's character more. I just like that archaeologist vibe. Like, I'm, I was thinking, I was like, maybe I'll be him for Halloween this year. That could be a move, for sure. Could be a move. Ah, are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka. I think the real reason behind that is I do want to get a cowboy hat, but I have no justification or reason to purchase one. <laughs> so I feel like being Sam Neill in Jurassic Park for Halloween is like the only real reason I could ever consider actually making that purchase. So that's that's pretty much the driving factor behind it. Yeah, that's, know, how man. Every, that's how every guy gets their first fedora because they want to be Indiana Jones. <laughs> Dude, but you've slow. been living you've been living in Nashville for what nearly a year now right like eight ten eight, months eight, eight months, months something like you're that. going full now dude i mean <laughs> yo like 
I'm surprised you don't have a cowboy hat yet. I think that's the last step to making you a naturalized citizen or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's my citizenship test. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Do you have a cowboy hat? <laughs> Do I have a cowboy hat? Uh, no. Uh, but in terms of cowboy hats, imagine a bunch of Muppets wearing cowboy hats running around Jurassic Park. What do we think? I, do, do we think, it's I, think I think you, I think you keep the human cast the same, and you just make the dinosaurs Muppets, and it's not even just like the scary Muppets. It's just like animal is like the T Rex or something like that, <laughs> and Fozzie's like the Velociraptor or something. Well, that would be Big Bird. Would be the T Rex. Dude, now that oh, now yeah. that I I just thought of this right yeah. now, like I'm finally on this show, and I get to say I'm offended personally that on a previous episode you said that Sweetums wasn't one of the most magnetic Muppets. Sweetums, the giant guy with the hair and the huge nose, like he's awesome. He's such a good like. Uh, I think he's actually a good guy, but they think he's a villain in some of them because he's just very intimidating. Um, Sweetums oh, yeah. rocks. I mean, Sweet Sweetums does rock. He, he's great. I mean, I'm really watching right now. I pulled up as we were talking. Um, they made a Sesame Street Jurassic Park uh, fucking like parody, and it's no like way. Cookie Monster. Cookie Monster is like the thing. <laughs> oh my god, dude, that's awesome. That's great. I mean, I think we're all yeah. in agreement. This definitely works as a Muppet adaptation really well. Yeah, I, like... I mean, you just make the cheesy special effects just straight up Muppets. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think I... Muldoon. Muldoon would be a good Muppet too. You know. Oh, Muldoon also just low key underrated. Like he's got like five minutes of screen time and he kills it the yeah, entire time uh -huh. he's on there. And his last clever line, girl, like dude, so good. yeah, <laughs> what what a great death line, <laughs> uh, ultimate death line. All right, so Ryan, you know the drill here. Give us your review out of five on Jurassic Park. Okay. Uh... Knee-jerk reaction, I'm going to say it's a 3.5. I did really like watching it. It wasn't something that I'm probably going to go rewatch as many times as you guys have. Um, but, yeah, no, I liked it a lot um, and also a lot more than I thought I would. So I would say it's banging. But, uh, yeah, uh, I guess didn't it wasn't anything that I'm going to I'm going to probably talk about or think about uh, all that hard compared to some of my faves. Ouch. Ouch. Wow. Might yeah. as well give it a one out of five. Jesus. All right, yeah. Tommy, your score. Uh, five out of five. This movie's been sticking with me since like childhood. Um, every time I see it in the theaters, it hits just as well. And like, it's something that like I can see this movie endless amount of times and be totally fine with it. I mean, you know, it's a total cable movie too. I mean, like I remember last year I watched just like the first half of this and I was like, cool. I mean, I got, I got my fix right here. So great performances, great special effects and great like, mix of comedy and like horror and like you know adventure and stuff like that spielberg just knocked out of the park here five out of five <laughs> i'm i'm also gonna go five out of five because i i just think there's a layer to this movie beyond being like a horror sci-fi dinosaur movie thinking of which and i think the movie primarily focuses on the creation of these of somebody actually doing this and like do you have like do you understand what you've done aspect to it which is basically what unfolds from there uh from that conversation but it's an instant classic there's a reason there's five sequels that share its name none of them anywhere near as good but people still go in droves because they love this movie they connect to it an unreal score terrific performances uh groundbreaking special effects um one of the all-time movies of all time without a question 
Man, I can't believe I gave a lower score than Tim. I feel like Tim's the big critic on this uh, on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, usually, shit. I'm I'm usually I'm usually a softie. <laughs> I know Tommy is the softie out of us, but like you, you knew going in what I was probably going to give Jurassic Park. So uh, that's a, that's a, we'll we'll have to have you back on another week. We appreciate you coming on, Ryan. It's been a lot of fun. Hell yeah, dudes! I really appreciate you guys having me on and. Just let me know when we could do this again, man. Of course. Do you have anything you want <laughs> to plug? Anything last minute? uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do a little plug. All right. Curse of Tongues, my DJ name. We got a single coming out September 22nd on uh, Noise Porn Records. It's going to be wild. No porn, but just beautiful noise, you know? Um, Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. And Tommy, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Uh, the screen I went to was awful, um, where there's some like fucking like five kids that kept on coming in and out of the theater and like, maybe we're in a theater All right, for like Alan. 10 minutes. All right, Alan Grant, please, please, please Yeah. keep, keep But it, anyways, keep it kids down. suck, kids suck. Fuck, fuck it. Um, uh, but anyways, thank you so much for listening. Um, you know, you can follow us on social media at scene pod. That's on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and also threads. I'm still going to bring that up to me. I know it's dead, but still going to bring it up. bring up those threads we'll see what elon and uh Muska, uh elon and fucking zuckerberg go to but anyways uh also leave us a five-star review apple spotify wherever you get your podcast really helps out the show and thank you guys so much for listening thank you all so much for listening we'll figure out our september schedule and see you next time